Welcome to another impactful message from Cornerstone Church, where we truly believe there is one hope for every heart, Jesus Christ. If you'd like to check out more resources or view video of this sermon, visit us online at cornerstonerome.com. I am coming to you from uh, Scotland, and I am in a... I actually got on a golf course uh, to do this, but the Scots love their golf, and this is very early in the morning here. I don't even know what time it is anymore. I'm so uh, jet-lagged, and um, I'm, I'm thrown off by the time change and everything else, but I had gotten on a golf course, but the Scots love their golf, let me tell you. Uh, it doesn't get, the sun doesn't go down to about 10.30 here, and so that didn't work out, and um, I kept getting interrupted by guys playing golf, so uh, to my uncle, you would love it here. You can play golf till 10.30 at night. Uh, one moment. Then we'll lose a piece of paper. I'm not sure I'm on the back side of a hill where, uh, I don't know if it's wheat, but uh, it's everywhere out here. And very beautiful. I'll tell you what, it's very beautiful. And I think this is about uh, about as bright as it gets. I don't know. But anyway, we just got out here, and um, what we're doing is examining what we can do to come alongside some of our friends in Scotland and help them with the church. And you might think, well, does Scotland need another church? Aren't they pretty well off, and are they in need of churches? I can tell you this much, uh, based on the data that they have and what we've researched. I think it's less than 3% of Scotland evangelical Christians. Now many people profess Christ, but that doesn't mean they're practicing Christians. And I dare say, in our own country, if we were to do the own, the same uh, data uh, and survey in our own country, we may find the uh, same results. I don't know. It may not be quite 3%, but I don't know that we would hit the 80% mark that everyone says we are, giving all the things that we uh, believe. And so, when we were walking about today, we were in the city of Edinburgh, and um, there's a whole number of conversations about how you pronounce this. Is it Edinburgh? Is it Edinburgh? Is it Edinburgh? You know, I'm trying to figure it out. So, if you know, God bless you. But in this city, as we were walking around, we came upon this, uh, what they call a kirk, K-I-R-K. It's a church. And in this church, um, I took a photo of, you can see on the outside, it's a beautiful church with a steeple, and uh, it has this beautiful architecture. And if you look on the outside in this next photo, do you see a sign? And it's, it's a market. This is a church that was commissioned at one time for the gospel of Christ, and it's now a market. And inside it, it has columns, and it has stained glass, and beautiful architecture inside. If you see the columns there, and this beautiful... Uh, stained glass and the ceiling and everything, but I took a close-up of what is really going on inside, and you'll see on the main floor, it's buying and selling of goods. It's a business now. It's a marketplace. And that led me to this thought about church. You know, number one, a building is not a church. It's funny that they use the word kirk here, which means church. If you look up that word, it's, I can do my best to pronounce it for you. We'll put it on the screen for you there. Kuriakon, maybe is how you say it, best I could do. And they would use it in post-apostolic times. The Greeks would use this. 
and it pronounced or designated this as a church building. This was the word they used for the church building. The Greeks used this. This is the word that they used. It meant a structure, building itself, the one that was built. Jesus used the word ekklesia. Totally two different words. We talked about that last week. Um, so the first thing I want you to see from this is that a building is not a church. And the second thing I want you to see from this is that Jesus is still building his church. Specifically the word that he used, ecclesia. And because the church is alive, it is the body of Christ. It's not the building of Christ. And Jesus said this, if you remember from last week, he said in Matthew 16, 18, I say unto you that you are Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church. Listen to what Jesus said, on this rock, the revelation of Christ, I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not prevail or not overpower. That's what Jesus said. And if that's true, we need to know what type of church Jesus is building and how is he building it? Because if he says it's not going to fail, then it certainly isn't going to be uh, filled with goods and services to be sold. If it's a church, and there's nothing wrong with having goods and services you know, in a, in a church, because uh, there's some people that use a church for dual purposes. People rent a facility, a building. Maybe it's used for a library one day. <laughs> there's horses running around out here. I guess they're awakening from their sleep. I don't know. But anyway, kind of surprised me over here but uh jesus what was i talking about now oh yeah so if we're going to know what jesus is building what kind of church he's building uh i assure you a marketplace is not going to be in his church his church is going to be alive and it's because this church is not a building and if we're going to know about this church that is going to prevail then we need to know how he's doing that. And so I want to talk to you this morning a few minutes about how Jesus is building his church and some of the ways. And we're going to talk about this more over the next couple of weeks. But I'll tell you this, number one, number one throughout the Bible that I find, and I think you will too, that you see that the number one priority of the church is this. The number one above everything else that we are told to do is this. It is the preaching and the teaching of God's Word, the preaching and teaching of God's Word over everything else. I know some people would say, well, no, it should be evangelism. Well, you got to think about it for a minute. If you're going to evangelize, how will you evangelize if you don't understand what you're evangelizing? There's a lot of people that evangelize. doesn't make them a Christian. So it's the preaching and teaching of God's Word. And this is what Jesus declared in what we call the Great Commission. Now, many of you might know what that is. Many of you might not. I think it's important to revisit the foundation of the church. What is the Great Commandment? Or the Great Commission, rather. I told you, a little jet lag here. All right. So <clears throat> if I get lost, you just help me, you know, get back on track. But a form of this commission, it's found actually in all four Gospels. I don't have time to get into all of that. But you, you can see each writer give a a little information about the Great Commission. And so I want to look at that as we go through your Bible this morning. And I want you to hear this before we go further. It is His mission that we co-labor with. It's not our mission. His mission. A Christian is submitted to the mission or the commission of Christ. We work together with Him. And it's not our mission that we're working on. His mission. 
All right, so then what is the Great Commission? So Matthew 28, 19 says, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. And Matthew, if we look at Matthew's gospel, he gives us an emphasis of teaching the Word of God. Now each one of them give you uh, a little more depth about something, but if you look at them and, and really exhaust it, Matthew really focuses on the teaching. He had a lot of great details he wanted to bring out. And I would just, in the scriptures, I'll show you some of this about teaching. Why was the teaching ministry so important of Jesus? Well, they believed in it so strongly. If you go to Acts, it's carried over even into the church as it was established. In Acts 2.42, it says they were continually devoting themselves to the apostles, what? Their teaching. Let us sink in a minute. They were devoted continually to the apostles' teaching and a fellowship and breaking of bread and prayer. <clears throat> we're just focusing on the teaching right now from Matthew. Acts 5.42, and every day in the temple and from house to house, they kept on teaching. They felt it was very, very important. In Acts 11 and verse 26, and when he had found him, he brought him to Antioch to about Paul. And for, watch this, an entire year, they met with the church and they taught considerable numbers. For an entire year, they taught. What do you think they taught? They didn't have the New Testament. They taught them the Old Testament. Even though Christ was there and they talked about the resurrection, they taught them the scriptures. So Matthew gives us the teaching ministry of Jesus. If you look at Mark, Mark emphasizes more on the preaching ministry. You know, he's going to preach God's word. He wants you to understand the power of the preaching of the gospel. So in Mark 16 and verse 15, he gives you this from the Great Commission. He says unto them, the same uh, context, just a different way of saying it, go into all the world. And what did Mark say? Preach the gospel. Now the preaching is different than the teaching. A preaching emphasizes something. It wants to give you the, the vision and the, 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 the ability to behind it to say, you know what, this is what we need to be a part of. It, it sells you on the gospel, if you will. And it, it empowers you. You have this unction that you can go and do what it is you're preaching. And, but I want you to see this because so many people talk about, man, we need to see signs and miracles and the church needs to have more miracles. And I agree with that. But the idea, I think, is that people think they're supposed to happen on a Sunday morning. And that's nothing wrong with that. But the church is not a curiacon as an ecclesia. If you view the church as a building, then you think everything happens on Sunday morning. Watch what Mark says in verse 20. He says, and they went out, who? The disciples. And they went out and they preached everywhere. They proclaimed the gospel. While the Lord worked with them and confirmed the word by the signs that followed. It was the preaching of the word. And then the signs and the wonders followed the preaching of the word. But it was not set at 11 a.m. on a Sunday morning inside a church building. They did not have a church building they were the ecclesia, and they went out and they proclaimed the gospel. How'd they do that? Well, they preached from house to house. They went out in the neighborhoods, maybe when they had lunch. I don't know, they sat down in Las Palmas and had a burrito and talked to their server, and they were nice. They tipped well, and they told her or him about the gospel. I could have done that. Maybe they had a Las Palmas then. I don't know. 
The interesting thing about the word preach is the word caroso, which means to herald. It means uh, using the guys in the town square that heralds, they, they have something to say. But when you preach that word preach with the word gospel, which is evangelizo or evangelizo, however you want to say it, it means good news. We're to proclaim or to herald the good news. You just can't preach anything in this word. You have to preach the good news. Luke, he gives us this emphasis of preaching also. But he gives us a more focused message to preach. In Luke's um, rendition of this, in Luke 24, 46, Luke says, And he said unto them, This is what is written, that Christ would suffer and rise again from the dead on the third day, and that repentance for the forgiveness of sins would be proclaimed in his name to all nations beginning from Jerusalem. Notice what Luke said we're going to preach. That repentance for forgiveness of sins would be proclaimed in his name to all the nations beginning from Jerusalem. The repentance and the forgiving of sins. You know, I know a lot of people, it's not very popular today. Believe me, I could share with you in detail, but I don't uh, have the details or the liberty really to say this right now. But it hit me last week. Our society today, it's not that they don't want to just talk about sin. They don't want to believe there is any sin. Let's just not call anything sin. And I've noticed, since I've become a pastor, I've noticed the change in this, how even Christianity now, People just don't want to talk about sin. I've even heard people say, don't preach on sin. If you preach on sin, you're going to give people sin consciousness. Well, uh, at the same time, Luke said, we're going around and we're to proclaim that the repentance and the forgiving of sins is a necessary part of what we preach. How do you know what to repent from if you don't know something's improper? You know, the Scripture's filled with all kind of teaching that tells us how to treat one another, and how to keep ourselves holy and free from sin. But if we're going to herald the good news, if we're going to preach the good news, you've got to have first knowledge of His Word, first-hand knowledge of His Word. Um, let me just say, you know, we all have little cute crafted statements we like to post out there and tweet and put out there on social media or Instagram a post about this, and we got our favorite little sayings or cute little, but I'm telling you something, that's fine. But if it's not his word, you can't build your life on a statement. You've got to have the gospel, and it's got to come from his word. And we've got to be able to show other people the power of his word. And so the last person of the gospel, if you will, we're talking about John here, where preaching and teaching are emphasized is in the gospel of John. And John does something very interesting. I want you to think about this. He emphasizes both preaching and teaching, and he does it by example. Now, this might seem out of place, but John taught us a lot about worship. And this verse has always uh, puzzled me at times. I've always contemplated all that this might mean. But this is what John said in John 4, verse 23. He said, An hour is coming, and it now is, when the true worshipers will worship the Father. Notice it's the Father in spirit, and in truth. For such people, the Father seeks to be his worshipers. Time's coming and now is where the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. You know, is it possible that when we worship, that our worship, if it's not based in truth, is it really worship at all? 
think on it for just a moment. Is it possible that when we worship God, if it's not based in truth, is it really worship? You know, when Pilate came to Jesus and he had the questions of him, he said, are you a king, really? Is that who you are? And Jesus said, yeah, I'm a king. And he said, what kind of king are you? What is your kingdom and where is it from? Jesus said this in John 18, verse 37. We'll put this on the screen for you, but I would encourage you to think about the conversation that he had with Pilate. And Jesus said, I've come into the world to testify to the truth. In other words, if I ignore a sin, if I say it's not a sin, if I disregard something that is clearly in Scripture a sin, but as a Christian, I love people so much that I dare not confront them or say it's wrong, and I give them a pass, then I'm not giving them the truth, am I? And Jesus said, I came to testify to the truth. So if we're not willing to give people the truth, where's the testifying or where's the testimony of Jesus? In other words, if we're not giving people the gospel, guys, Jesus isn't in it. If we're not willing to tell people that's a sin, if you're not willing to say, no, that is a sin, your gospel might not be the gospel at all. And I hate to say this, but there's no testimony of Jesus in a false gospel. There's also no agreement of Jesus in a worship. It's not based in truth. He says this to Pilate. He said, I came to testify to the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. And Pilate said to him, what is truth? It's a great conversation between him and Pilate. I've always thought about what Pilate must have been thinking when he was confronted with real truth. You know, how can we ever approach God in our worship? if we don't accept the truth of his word from John's gospel, from Luke's gospel, from Mark's gospel, and from Matthew's gospel. I can't even connect with God if there's some sort of a sin holding me back or keeping me from connecting with the Lord. Or if I have a sin or a fault against you, how am I going to connect with God in that time? And if I'm unwilling to understand or sit long enough through the teaching of God's word, how will I ever really truly get to know God. I know sometimes we get antsy in church and we got to go, we got to go. But these guys would sit for days on end and hear the teaching of the gospel. Very interesting. One last verse I want to read to you in Romans chapter 10, verse 13. He says, For whoever will call on the name of the Lord will be saved. How will they then call on him in whom they have not believed? How will they believe in him in whom they have not heard? And how will they hear, watch this, without a preacher, one who proclaims the truth? And then he says, well, how will they preach unless they're sent? Which is why we're here, to see how we can help send people to preach the gospel in Scotland. Just as it's written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring the good news of good things or the gospel of Christ. Can I just encourage you this morning that if we're talking about the true gospel, we can send people out with that word. And we can send them out to preach and proclaim the word of God to other people, to other nations around the world and know that Jesus is going to testify with it. He's going to back it up and he's going to show up when they preach his word. That's why it's so important today. And can I encourage you as a parent right now? Can you please just hear me out right now? I know we teach our kids a lot of stuff. Man, we'll teach them how to hit a ball. We'll teach them how to understand money. We'll teach them how to, you know, 
do another kind of sport or, you know, fix a car or do a trade or whatever we do. But the greatest thing you might do for your kids right now, parents, is teach them God's Word. That they understand a basic formation of the truth of God's Word. I think it's one of the most important things you could give your family right now. Before we go, I just want to pray for you uh, this morning. Again, like I said, I, you know, it looks like it's about to storm, but maybe not. The wind's been blowing, and uh, the weather here is a little bit different. And I just pray that during this time you've gotten something from this message and that the Lord has inspired you, opened your eyes to the importance of His Word. And it's the most important thing that we do as Christians. It's not evangelism. It's not our worship. It's not our groups, though groups are very important, and I think you ought to be a part of one. The most important thing you could do is understand the preaching and the teaching of God's Word. How are we going to send people if they don't understand God's Word? How are they going to preach God's Word if they don't understand the Gospel? The most important thing, though, this morning is, how will they believe in whom they have not heard? How will you believe if you don't know Christ? How can you believe in Christ? This morning, I want to lead you in a prayer. And if you're watching online or in the room right there where you are, if you never accepted Christ, I want to lead you this morning in that prayer. And it's a very simple thing to pray. The Bible says that if you call upon the name of the Lord, you shall be saved. And so I'm going to lead you in a prayer right now. And I just want you to pre- uh, repeat this after me. If those in the room, just repeat this along with me. And you're not going to pray this by yourself. Everybody in our church right now is going to pray this online as well. Just say this. Say, Dear Lord Jesus, I come to you today. I give you my heart. I give you my life. And I receive you, Jesus, as my Savior. And Jesus, I make you the Lord of my life. Man, if you prayed that prayer, we are so proud of you. Right, church? Come on, give them a hand. Give them some love right there. Let them know how, how proud you are of them. That is so awesome. Well, hey, listen, I've enjoyed sharing this with you. This is really on my heart. Like I said, it was a bit bittersweet. I told uh, Joey when he asked me, how's it going recording? And I told him about the church or the Kirk that I saw in that marketplace and how much it reminded him of our own country that not that we don't take for granted the church, and how important it is that we get back on the gospel and understand the gospel and the power of God's word that we do not neglect to teach this to the next generation. I think it's very, very important. Would you uh, just stand with me here today? You know what I just thought about? I think Gary's going to do this part, right, Gary? You're going to close out church, right? Because I think Gary has a few things to say to you. So just remain standing. Hey, here comes Gary Majestic, one of our elders. Would you give him a hand, please, this morning? Hey, God bless you guys so much. Love you guys. And uh, pray for us as we go through this week. We're about to go to church ourselves. And uh, they told me the worship is kind of jazz-like. So that ought to be fun, man. I hope they got a saxophone. It's going to be awesome. So God bless you guys. Hey, see you soon. Isn't that cool? I think it's really neat that... What they're doing over there, I tell people they're laying the foundation again. The building's still there, but the church is gone, and they're laying the foundation for people to come back again. So that's what's really cool. Hey, if you were one of those folks today that decided for the very first time Jesus was going to be the Lord of your life, 
couple things. There's a communication card in that seat back in front of you. We'd like you to fill that out, drop it in one of the boxes on the way out of the uh, auditorium here today. We'd like to be in contact with you. Our prayer partners are going to come up as well right now, and if you'd like to pray with one of them or any other thing that you have to pray with them, they're up here after service as well. If you're online, you can also do that. You can hit the Connect Cornerstone uh, button on there because you can't put it in the box here since you're online. So you can do that, and somebody from the church will get a hold of you and contact you as well because we want to be here to help you get started. living the life for Christ, uh, living that truthful life and experiencing the forgiveness that comes um, through Jesus and knowing him. So as always, we're going to send you out with uh, our blessing, uh, numbers. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his countenance on you. There's another translation that I've used before. It says, the Lord will turn his face towards you. And I think about that when you have a, a child or a grandchild, you take them by the cheeks and you look them straight in the eye and you tell them that you love them. Well, that's what God's going to do for you today. And it says he's going to look you right in the eye and he's going to give you his peace. God bless you guys. See you next week. If today's message blessed you, we want to encourage you to take a moment and share this podcast with a friend. Remember, there's one hope for every heart, and that's Jesus. See you next time.